Um, I would like to share a text today that has been a great source of encouragement for me this past few months. And uh, this morning will be in the book of Romans. Please open up your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 8, and it will be in verses 26 and 27. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. If you're taking notes today, uh, today's message is titled, The Spirit's Help in Our Weakness. The Spirit's Help in Our Weakness. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, and, and so reads God's word. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather here today to Come and learn what you have to speak to us through your word. Father, give me clarity as I teach this text. Give us an understanding to understand, Father, what you have to speak to us this morning. We pray in your son's name. Amen. Well, church, one day, one day we will be glorified with Christ. This past few Sundays, Pastor Luis has been taking you through a study of, of the end times as it naturally arose from the verse-by-verse exposition of 1 Thessalonians. And the end times there, they mean hope for the believer. And it is, it is a call for repentance for the unbeliever. Now, as Christians, we, we live with hope that one day we will be with Christ in glory. However, there, there is a precondition to this. Now, as children of God, we, we are called to suffer with Christ. A few verses earlier in Verses 16 and 17, Paul says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This is the precondition of being glorified with Christ. Now, it doesn't mean that we contribute to Christ's atoning work or to our redemption. God has, has laid on Christ all of the sins of his people. Sufferings, however, they're, they're proof of the believer's ultimate glory. A willingness, a disposition to, to follow Christ is, is a sign that you are a child of God. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.17, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Knowing then that, that the Christian must partake in, in these sufferings with Christ, God has not left us to ourselves. We, we are called to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. But how do we grow in this grace and knowledge of Christ? We grow by using the means that God has appointed. Theologians call these the, the means of grace. They're means by which he imparts grace to his children 
Nicholas Patzig, a, a pastor of Church Creek PCA, says, the means of grace are God's appointed means by which the Holy Spirit enables believers to receive Christ and the benefits of redemption. And what are these, these means of grace? Uh, the primary means of grace is his word and the preaching of his word. It's why we gather here on the Lord's day to worship him through the study of his word. And we also partake in baptism and the Lord's table when we remember what Christ has done for us. But prayer, prayer is also a, a means of grace. We are to grow in grace and, and be strengthened spiritually through life's weaknesses and sufferings. We, we must pray. The Christian must pray. However, the, the reality is that we are weak. When, while we are still here on this earth, we're going to face weakness. And one area that this text before us this morning presents of our weakness is that we don't know f- fully God's will when we pray. And sometimes we even lack the strength to come to God in prayer. But there is hope. God has given us a helper the text for this morning teaches us glorious truths of the ministry of the divine helper of the Holy Spirit, teaches us about the intercession of the Holy Spirit and what that is and, and truths about what he, do, what he does in the life of the children of God. These truths will give us strength in our weakness and, and hope in prayer as we seek to grow in grace and, and persevere in our Christian, Christian walk. We're going to look at this text this morning under, under three major points if, if you're taking notes this morning. The first point will be the weakness of the believer. The weakness of the believer. In the first part of verse 26, we will learn what the Spirit does with our weakness and how the Holy Spirit comes to the aid of the believer. Second point this morning would be the plead of the Holy Spirit. Second half of verse 26, we will see what, what the Spirit's intercession is and what is his pleading on our behalf? And our third point this morning will be the approval of the Father. In verse 27, we will see how God the Father accepts the request of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit prays according to God's will. Our first point, the weakness of the believer. Look with me at verse 26. And it reads, likewise... The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Verse 26 starts with the word likewise. Some, some translations have in the same way or in the same manner. And it's important to know what, what this word means as it sets the context for the verses we're studying this morning. Using the word likewise or in the same manner, it's, it's making a, a comparison to something that has been previously said. Now, if I may summarize the theme of, of chapter 8 in which these verses are said, it is, it is this. It is life in the Holy Spirit. A few verses earlier in uh, verses 14 and 15, Paul explains that at the moment of justification, believers are adopted into God's family and they're sealed by the Holy Spirit. And then later in verses 23 and 24, Paul states that we who have the Holy Spirit, we await our adoption as sons as we wait the redemption for our bodies. In verse 15, he's saying that we receive the spirit of adoption, and then some verses later, he says that we eagerly await for our adoption. Now, is, is there some sort of contradiction by, by Paul here? No, of, of, of course not. What, what Paul is saying is that because this adoption is, in a sense, incomplete until we are conformed to the image of 
of his son. And like how I started in the beginning, there will be a day of future glory for the Christian when, when we see Christ and we're conformed to his image that the redemption of our bodies will be, will be complete. Now, until that day of, of future glory, we live in hope. And that's what he's saying in the same way that this hope sustains us, the Holy Spirit helps the children of God. Chapter eight is just full of truths that encourage the believer. And we read likewise, verse 26, the Spirit helps us. The first thing to know that it is the Holy Spirit who helps us, the third person of the Trinity. Now at this point, I think it's important to cover two important aspects in regards to who the Holy Spirit is. And the first one is that the Holy Spirit is a, a person. He's not the personification of some power or some force. He has intelligence. 1 Corinthians 2, 10, 11 tells us that he searches and he knows the depths of God. He demonstrates feelings. He can be grieved by the sinful actions of the children of God. Ephesians 4.30 exhorts us, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. He convicts the world regarding sin. John 16.8 tells us that he convicts the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. He has a will. He distributes spiritual gifts as he wills, and he intercedes. And that is what our theme is in our text this morning. And the second thing is that the Holy Spirit is God. His name is related by name to both the Father and the Son. He is called the Spirit of Jesus. He is called the Spirit of our God. He is both omniscient and omnipresent. Psalms 139.7 says, Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? Job says, the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty gives me life. That's attesting to his work in creation. He was the cause of the virgin birth. In Luke 135, we read that the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and he was the one who gave the inspired scriptures. Now, the Holy Spirit is a person and he is God. The Holy Spirit is our subject this morning and it is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity who helps us. And what kind of help is this? Well, it's first of all, a continual help. The verb in the original language suggests the idea of a continuous action. And that means it's just not once or twice that the Holy Spirit comes and helps us, but it is something that continually goes on in the life of the child of God. The verb here literally means to come to the aid of it. It carries the idea to help along with another to lighten the load. Now my, my son, he, he's little, he's, he's at the age where he wants to show me his, his, his strength. And sometimes when I want to move something, perhaps a, a heavy, heavy box, he comes and offers his help. And he, he, he lifts his side of, he lifts, I say it in quotation, he lifts his side of, of the box, right? Thinking he's doing the heavy lifting. And he even does some facial expressions along the way. And he even dares to say, daddy, I thought you needed some help with that. But who is carrying most of the weight there? It's not him, right? It's, it's his dad. And that's, that's, that's a picture here. The Holy Spirit comes and he lends a hand at the very time of our weakness. But it is help alone that he gives. Nonetheless, it does require the participation of the child of God. But we do not lose sight that it is a help that it is strictly given by the Holy Spirit. And we continue in verse 26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
our weakness. Now, what is this weakness that Paul is speaking about? It's a weakness due to the reality that we're still here on this earth in this body of flesh as we eagerly wait for the redemption of our bodies. However, it's a limitation. It's a weakness. A kind of weakness in which God's power manifests itself. A kind of weakness that isn't left alone by, by God. In 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9, Paul recounts his struggle with a thorn in the flesh, in his flesh. In that passage, we see the weakness of Paul and the power of God displayed. Remember, this is Paul writing to the Romans, and he's including himself by saying our weakness. He's not saying your weakness. This is Paul's spiritual giant saying our weakness. Look at what Paul says. It says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That is the same weakness that Paul is speaking about, a weakness in which God's power manifests itself. Now, Paul pleaded, pleaded with the Lord three times. He was confronted with submitting to the will of God, and apparently what he was praying for, for this messenger of Satan to go away, it was in God's will. Here's a demonstration of our limitation when praying. Paul himself needed the help of the Spirit. And as he was praying, as he was pleading with God for the messenger of Satan to be taken away, the Spirit was interceding on his behalf, and the Lord came back with an answer that he wasn't expecting. My grace is sufficient for you. And we know then that God has promised that our weakness will be met with his power as we come to him in prayer. Our weakness will be met with his grace. And it is in our weakness that the power of God will be most visible. One commentator says the grace of God is not only for the beginning of the Christian life. It is for the beginning, the middle, and the end. It is abundant grace, brothers and sisters. And we should take comfort in the promises of God. In these verses, we find the fulfillment of what Jesus promised. He said, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Now, Jesus calls him another helper. That means there's a first helper. And who was the first helper? It was Christ. It is Christ himself. The Holy Spirit is our second helper. The first paraclete is Christ. The second paraclete is the Holy Spirit. John Murray says regarding the children of God, Christ is their intercessor in the court of heaven. The Holy Spirit is their intercessor in the theater of their own hearts. It is the Holy Spirit who is the helper, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside the children of God in their weakness. However, there's a, a particular way in, this weak, in which this weakness manifests itself and that, that Paul is focusing on, and it's regarding the content of our prayer. Some translations have here, we do not know how to pray versus we do not know what to pray. Now, what's the difference? One is referring to the content of a prayer, and one is referring to the manner or the way we pray. Now, the better translation here is the what, not the how. If then it is focusing on the content of a prayer, we do not know what to pray for. 
It's assuming something. It's, it's implying that prayer is a reality in the life of the Christian. It's assuming that the Christian comes to prayer in weakness, not fully understanding the will of God. And what is prayer? The Baptist Catechism of 1693, I think, gives a wonderful definition of, of prayer. And it says, prayer is an offering up of our desires to God by the assistance of the Holy Spirit for things agreeable to his will in the name of Christ, believing with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. Prayer is an offering up of our desires to God in accordance with his will. But that is exactly the weakness that Paul is zeroing in on. That is a weakness of the believer referred to here in verses 26 and 27. These two verses, they they give us a comparison between us and, and the Holy Spirit. Verse 26 tells us that the believer doesn't know what he ought to pray for. But then verse 27 states that the Holy Spirit intercedes according to the will of God. Simply put, is we, we cannot assume that we, what we are praying for aligns with this perfect will. That, that is the weakness that Paul is speaking about here. John MacArthur states, even the Christian who prays sincerely, faithfully, and regularly cannot possibly know God's purposes concerning all of his own needs or the needs of others for whom he prays. But, but we remember that the Holy Spirit comes and helps us in our weakness. Now, does, does this mean that the child of God shouldn't try to understand what, what the will of God is? Of course not. Of course not. Psalms 143 verse 10 says, teach me to do your will for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. And he says, Paul again says in Colossians 1.9, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The Holy Spirit comes and helps us when we don't know what to pray for. When we can't articulate the will of God in our prayers, the Holy Spirit fills that deficiency with his help. And so in our first point, we've seen the weakness of the believer in prayer, how we don't have a full understanding of God's will when we pray. But there's a counterpart to the believer's weakness, and that leads us to our second point this morning, and it is the plead of the Holy Spirit, the plead of the Holy Spirit. Look with me at the second half of verse 26, but... The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And we see here a contrast to our weakness manifested in, in prayer. And that contrast is the intercession of the Holy Spirit. Now, our text places emphasis on the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit himself who intercedes. It's not the Virgin Mary who intercedes for the children of God. It is not angels interceding for the children of God. It's not any dead person interceding for the children of God. It is the Holy Spirit himself. That verb, intercede, it means to, to plead on behalf of someone. That the background of this word is, is of a king's court and, and somebody's making requests for someone on behalf of that person with the hope of receiving a hearing. And so to intercede means to, to make a plea through a direct contact with the person 
approached. Now, this means that the Holy Spirit is in direct contact with God the Father, constantly pleading and making requests for you. Now, this is the only mention of the intercession of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, but this intercession of the Spirit is in perfect unity with the intercession of Christ. In fact, this verb to intercede is the same verb used of Christ's intercession a few verses later in verse 34 of chapter 8. As Paul says, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Now, what this means, brothers and sisters, is that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, our triune God, is involved in your preservation to keep you until the day of redemption. We have the Father and the Spirit cooperating in prayer for you because the Spirit is interceding for you according to the will of God. And we have the Father and the Son cooperating in prayer for you because Christ is at the right hand of God interceding for you. Now, beloved, take take courage. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all involved in the preservation of the believer. The Father chose you before the foundation of the world. The Son redeemed you through his death and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit has sealed you until the day of redemption. And he is interceding for you today, this morning. It's why Paul can say a few verses later, nothing can separate us from the love of God. The Holy Spirit constantly intercedes for you. Now, in what manner does the Holy Spirit intercede for the believer? Look at verse 26. He sa- it says that he intercedes with groanings too deep for words. Now, I think it's important here to take some time and, and really define what are these groanings too deep for words as there's, there's many interpretations and opinions on, on what these groanings groanings are. First of all, these groanings, they're, they're an expression of great concern of the person making them. One, one of the views is that they are groans which cannot be expressed in human language and that they are audible, yet they're unable to be articulated. And so they conclude that it is speaking in tongues. It is a, spresh, a special prayer language inspired by the Holy Spirit. However, the meaning of, of the Greek word in which and the ESV is translated as too deep for words. It actually means unexpressed or wordless. They, they are groanings which are inexpressible and they are unspoken. It means that they're groanings without speech, meaning they are groanings that are not vocalized. Now these groanings then, they should be understood as a prayer language of the Holy Spirit. It is, it is not speaking in tongues. It is not a prayer language of the believer. The the whole text itself is putting emphasis on the Holy Spirit. It is pointing to the that the intersection, excuse me, that the intercession is an action of the Holy Spirit, not of the Christian. So it's not a prayer language done by the believer. And further prove these verses about the intercession of the Holy Spirit, it's it's a reality going on in the life of every believer. And in the New Testament, speaking in tongues is is not for for all. They simply do not refer to a special prayer language. It's it's a ministry, a beautiful ministry of the Holy Spirit that doesn't depend on human ability. 
And aren't we grateful for this, that this intercession of the Holy Spirit, it, it doesn't depend on your prayers, brothers. It doesn't depend on human will or ability. We're not fully conscious of this kind of help. It's beyond human observance. But we must know based on this text that this intercession is a reality and that it goes on in the life of the child of God. What's amazing here is that the Holy Spirit meets our weakness and inability to know God's will and he comes and intercede and, and prays according to his will. Now in our weakness, when we don't have strength or we don't know what to pray for or for things that aren't of divine benefit for us, you can rest assured, brothers and sisters, that the Holy Spirit comes to your aid and he intercedes for you with intercession that is in perfect alignment with the Father's will. And that leads us to our third point this morning, the approval of the Father. Look with me at verse 27. And it says, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit. The action here to, to search means to, to make a thorough effort to, to investigate. And this refers to another to than God the Father. It is the omniscient God, the God who knows all things, who searches the depths of the human heart. And it says here that God knows the mind of the spirit the mind of the spirit here is, is referring to the intentions of the spirit, to the way of thinking of the spirit. We, we learn that the Holy Spirit is a person, that he has a will, and that he has thoughts. In this context, the intentions, the mind of the spirit then refers to his intercession, that God knows the prayers of the Holy Spirit. And why can Paul say that with assurance that God the Father knows the intentions of the spirit? He gives us the answer in the second half of verse 27. Look with me. And it says, because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, at the same time, we learn that it is the spirit who searches and knows that the deep things of God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 and 11, for the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now why, why is this? Well, the Holy Spirit is co-equal and he is co-eternal with the Father and the Son, God knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit's intercession is according to God's will. The omniscient God who knows the depths of our hearts, he knows and responds to the Spirit's prayers on our behalf. And the ministry of his intercession is effective because there's perfect unity between God and the intentions, the mind of the Spirit. What this means then is that God the Father always answers the prayers of God the Spirit because the Holy Spirit is pleading in perfect harmony with the will of the Father. Now we should take great encouragement, church, to, to know that God's will for our lives, it cannot be frustrated despite our weakness or inability to discern what we need to pray for. God's will for your life will be fulfilled because the Spirit dwelling inside of you intercedes with prayers that are approved by God the Father. It's why Paul can say in the next few verses, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good 
Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in the life of the believer, praying according to God's will, and his life will be fulfilled for your life. The intercession of the Holy Spirit will guarantee that those whom God foreknew and predestined will be carried through to their glorification. And don't don't we love that verse of the eternal security of the believer? The Holy Spirit is interceding in the life of the believer. Now, I leave you with these words. To the child of God, take courage. Our child, excuse me, to the child of God, our trying God has promised to keep you and nothing nor anyone can snatch you from his hands. Philippians 1.6 tells us that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. The Son of God intercedes for us in heaven, defending us and securing our salvation. And even through our weakness and difficulties, you have an advocate here pleading with the Father with groanings that are in perfect harmony with his will. The Holy Spirit's prayers are answered and he is praying for you, brothers and sisters. Surely this gives us appreciation for his unmerited grace. In regards to prayer, I'd like to leave you with three helpful suggestions. The first one is pray with scripture. Pray with scripture. Prayer must be shaped by the truth of scripture. The Holy Spirit uses God's word to help us pray in accordance with his will. Number two, pray with perseverance. Don't give up on praying. Even if it seems like you are regressing, you don't feel like it, come to the throne of grace. Hebrews 4.16 tells us, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Are you weak today? Are you spiritually tired? I exhort you today to come to the throne of grace. Are you struggling with a sin in your life? Come to the throne of grace. Is there some difficulty in your life this morning? Come to the throne of grace. Are you struggling to find God's will in a specific decision you need to make? Come to the throne of grace that you may receive mercy and find grace. The Holy Spirit will meet you in your weakness. And number three, pray relying in the Spirit. Based on all we've learned today, seek his guidance, his help, his intercession as you pray, knowing that he will sustain you as you pray. Rely on the intercession of the Holy Spirit. Those are words to the believer and to the unbeliever. These blessings, they're, they're only for the adopted children of God. They're, they're not for you. Christ in heaven is interceding for those who believe in him. The Holy Spirit here on earth is interceding for those who cry, Abba, Father. Now with that said, take the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, will cert- I will certainly not cast out. You need the intercession of the Holy Spirit. Come to Christ, repent of your sins and believe in the gospel that Christ died as a sacrifice for the sins of all those who will believe in him 
and you will have forgiveness of your sins and you will have an intercessor who prays for you according to the will of the Father. Well, to God be the glory this morning and forevermore. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, for speaking to us this morning. Lord, the reality that we have a divine helper, the Holy Spirit, who is interceding for us according to your will, and that the will of the Father cannot be frustrated in our lives. We thank you, Lord. Help us apply these truths to our life as we glorify your name. In your son's name we pray. Amen.